Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace, our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and returned Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to connect with me over at MyPeaceCorpsStory.com, on Instagram at MyPeaceCorpsStory, and on Facebook by searching for My Peace Corps Story. Additionally, if you have not done so, please leave a review for me over on Apple Podcast. Five-star reviews are extremely appreciated, but more than anything... I want to know what you think so I can better serve my audience. Speaking of five-star reviews, this week's review comes from Karen Niem, maybe? Sorry, Karen, if I just butchered uh, your name. Uh, But Karen writes, preparing for Peace Corps service, five stars. Since I was invited to serve in January, I've been listening to this podcast to prepare for my September departure. Well, it's right around the corner. This podcast has given me so much insight on other volunteers' experience, but the most valuable thing I've learned is to expect the unexpected. Everyone's experiences are so unique, just as mine will be. I'm interested in seeing episodes that are focused on certain themes, such as an episode on homestay experiences, foods, dealing with sickness, PST. Even though I know my story won't be exactly like other stories, I'd like to hear about how volunteers overcome certain challenges. Thank you for everything. Well, Karen, I love the idea. I've tried to put a few of these uh, thematic episodes together, but uh, they're a little bit more work, but I'm, I'm not afraid of doing more work, so hopefully I can put something like that together in the future. But without further ado, let's get into this week's episode on the My Peace Corps Story podcast. This is this is this is this is my my peace course peace course my peace course my peace course story story story. My name is Daryl Glotfeldy, and this is my peace course story. In memory of fallen Peace Corps volunteer Dr. Scott Glotfeldy. Growing up, I would look around the house at the keepsakes that my parents had accumulated over the years, but was particularly drawn to a few objects that didn't quite fit in with the Appalachian decor: the red drums, batiks and picture of my dad's brother in Togolese dress all piqued my interest. I was confused as to how and why my dad's brother ended up across the globe serving in the Peace Corps. After Uncle Scott finished his doctorate of veterinary medicine, he was recruited to join the Peace Corps and serve as a small animal husbandry volunteer in Mandore, northern Togo. About nine months into his service, he was hiking ahead of some friends and climbed a large teak tree. When his friends arrived, they found him under the tree covered in bees. Local villagers scrambled to light a smoky fire to expel the bees, but unfortunately it was too late, and my uncle had succumbed to hundreds of stings. My grand aunts and uncles and parents would tell stories about my uncle ever since I can remember. He was a scholar, talented veterinarian, and an idealist. He was a friend to anyone who would go out of his way to care for animals, both large and small. I remember hearing stories about him, one in particular about him staying up all night with a horse at Virginia Tech to care for an ill mare. He built connections not only with people, but with life in general. A cousin recalled that he had a reverence for all that was living and wished to bring comfort to those who suffered. This about him was infectious. This would be a good way to describe my uncle, not with the negative connotations, but of all that is good. No matter what it was that he did, he seemed to have that effect on people. As I signed up to join the Peace Corps, I really wanted to figure out who Scott was from people outside my family. I posted his picture to the Peace Corps Togo Facebook group. I could not believe the number of people who started sending messages, pictures, and memories of my Uncle Scott. My family's stories were echoed in his friends and colleagues that he met during his service. I could feel the positive vibes and happiness that my uncle gave to his cohort. He was someone they all looked up to. In one note to our family received, a friend wrote, In the brief nine months that we knew each other, he was able to show me so much about myself, about human potential, and about life in general. That will always remain in my heart. His honesty, his attitudes towards his work, his ability to turn obstacles into opportunities, his desire to give, and above all, the way he interacted with people on a day-to-day basis are all qualities I saw and admired in him and am trying to develop in myself. When I started packing my bags for my service in Tanzania, I printed out some of these memories and thoughts of others that I collected and put them away in my luggage. I had part of his Peace Corps journey in my bags. When I arrived at site, I struggled as most volunteers do, to fit in and figure things out. 
I taught a few periods of chemistry each day and would walk around the school campus to familiarize myself with the environment. I was acutely aware that bees were in about six of the buildings at the school, one being the school laboratory where I would soon be teaching. This scared the hell out of me, but no one seemed to think much of it. I talked to my friend and counterpart about it, and he said they would likely be sprayed and hoped that the hives wouldn't return. This is the way most people deal with bees in their houses. The Saturday after this conversation, while setting up buckets to do my laundry, I heard a loud buzz becoming louder and louder by the second. Curious as to what it was, I peeked my head out of the courtyard door where a mass of African honeybees had formed in a tree outside my house. I was overtaken by both fear and excitement and went inside immediately. The adrenaline coursed through my veins and all I could remember doing was thinking about my Uncle Scott. I'm convinced still today the mass of bees that formed outside my house was a message from my uncle. I knew he would not have been happy to see bees get sprayed or for me to fear them. The eeriness of it all was my call to action, to learn and not fear, and to turn this pest into an asset. My counterpart ended up finding a local beekeeper that soon became my second-hand man in my Peace Corps service. Together, we started an environmental club with students and developed a learning apiary with 50 beehives. We extracted the bees from all the dormitories, classrooms, and the lab, and trained the students in best practices for beekeeping. I could hear the fear in my parents' and family's voice as I told them about this project, but I knew my Uncle Scott was there with me, protecting me and guiding me through it all. Even though I never got to meet my uncle, I feel like I know him so well. As Peace Corps volunteers, we share a common experience. My service was my shared experience with Scott. The picture that my family and his friends have painted for me is one of someone who dreamed big and saw the good in all people. I received a very special letter just before my Peace Corps service. I connected with a volunteer who served with Scott and whose brother was able to make it to the funeral in our small town of Accident, Maryland. He wrote, he wrote her a letter that painted a picture of that day, and his words were able to somehow reckon and make sense of what happened. I brought this letter with me to Tanzania, and it's something I now live by. Here's an excerpt from the letter. I am content at times to believe that God created an imperfect world with certain scientific principles and forces which he chooses not or cannot alter. Thus, if you step off the side of a mountain or stumble into a lion's den, not even the angels can save you. But I also believe with all my heart that the spirit of some sort of God, if one accepts its presence, can give us strength and comfort and peace and understanding to deal with the harshness of the world. And I believe that this spirit, this particle of this God, which is in all of us, returns to the source of all life upon our deaths, and that we are in perfect communion with those who preceded us and touched us in some way. Indeed, it will be the most perfect meeting. But until then, it is up to us to try, each in our own way, for as long or as short as our lives may be, to make this world a tiny bit less imperfect. Of Scott, it is now too painful to imagine all the good he might have done and all the learning he could have shared. Instead, we fairly look at his 28 years of life and then ask, were our lives better because of Scott? Scott succeeded in making the world a little less imperfect. That is the only measure that matters, and now the torch is passed. Although my uncle has long passed, he will never be forgotten. New and old stories will continue to be told, and new connections will continue to be made. The work he did inspired a generation of kids on the family farm to look at our world differently and understand the importance of hard work, dedication, and empathy. The torch was passed, and we carry it strong. Well, Daryl? Yes. Thank you for reading that. I wanted to to start off with you reading this piece, which you sent to me. This was my first introduction to you when you reached out and said, I want to be on your podcast. I have a story. I read that and I was like, okay, he, he, need, he needs to be on here for, for one of many things. One, to talk about your Peace Corps service and, and also a highlighting your uncle's service, uh, how short it was, but how impactful it was as well. Because uh, you originally wrote this for the uh, Fallen Peace Corps volunteers. Uh, There's a, a celebration, a memorial, yeah. a year ago here in D.C.? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And you you hear of volunteers um, passing away while serving. Yes. But rarely do you hear about the, the impact and sort of, I guess, the ripple effect that that has... Uh, for those who who remain, and the fact that you were able to to connect with people who who served with your uncle, and then how your uncle's service inspired you to to want to serve. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. You know, my whole life, my family 
I saw in this in this piece about how my family always he was kind of like a hero to all of us kids. There was ten of us cousins living on the family farm within a stretch for like a mile, and just the stories we'd hear all the time about our uncles constantly ingrained in us, like how service and doing doing good for your community is important and it it was very inspirational like our small town to to know that my uncle then went across the globe to togo and he was a veterinarian so he just finished school instead of you know starting a practice here in the states decided he wanted to go serve and unfortunately his life was cut short but you know that was very inspiring and you know uh, just just as a young person to know that there's something bigger out there than the small area that we were in and I don't know that exposure early on really inspired me to to want to see the world and understand the world and as I went to college and got to have more experiences traveling around I went to Honduras for a while and seeing 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 the need there was and uh, I don't know that connection was very 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 close very close to my uncle I think I think that's what really all that that came to and when when the time came to figure out what I wanted to do Peace Corps Peace Corps is the number one thing I think and I I spent some time in a laboratory and I started applying for Peace Corps during that during that time and when I got to Peace Corps it felt like I was I was connected to someone that I'd never met but we had such a I was saying it's such a shared experience and even though he served so long ago and I never knew him I feel like we went through so many things together that uh, you know I had a different connection with him than anyone in my family even his brothers and sisters did so I don't know it was it was, it was an interesting thing mm-hmm. and when you first decided that you wanted to serve in the Peace Corps when you first told your parents that you wanted to serve in the, in the Peace Corps what was their reaction um, my parents have supported me a hundred percent in everything I've done. They, they, of course, were were a little worried. Um, my dad more so than my mom, I think. But I think that 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 had such a big impact on all of my aunts and uncles when he passed away. And there was that fear. There was that fear in my head too, actually. You know, that this could be this could be the end. You know, when I went. I was, I'm very optimistic, you know, I think maybe, you know, I'm living in D.C., what's going to happen tomorrow here? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the way we look at things, you know. Bad things happen everywhere. You can't stop them, and you just have to live life each day and not worry about these things and have them stop you or put a brick wall in front of your dreams or aspirations. So my parents have always been 100% supportive of everything, but they're like any parents. They're, they, they're scared when their babies go, <laughs> go, go away, for sure. Mm-hmm. And my twin brother... Um, at the same time, we had never been separated more than nine days in our life before our 24, like we were 24 and we'd been together in everything. We worked together, lived together, and he was going off to Thailand at the same time. So there's that was happening too. So my parents are in this whole loop of things with us going away. So mm. it was, a <laughs> it was, it was a very, uh, challenging, but exciting time for everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, so we've heard about your uncle's service that was cut short uh, and the impact that it had on you. But now let's dive into your service okay. in Tanzania. What exactly were you doing? You, you, you know, well, we heard a little brief bit of teaching chemistry. Yeah. Uh, so my primary, my primary assignment was education, mm-hmm. education volunteer, teaching chemistry and essentially high school. Okay. Um, and... Of course, as education volunteers, we're, we're living and working at a school. So teaching is usually just one aspect of service in Tanzania. A lot of volunteers have secondary projects or see other opportunities within their community to do um, outreach or uh, programming with, with the students at the school. And one of the big things that we saw uh, in our area, we lived in about 7,000 feet, uh, there was a lot of agricultural activities around avocados and uh, apples, pears, all these different stone fruits, which is kind of different than a lot of other areas in Tanzania. So that, that bred a lot of opportunity for developing this environmental club and doing sustainable agriculture. So uh, chemistry was the main thing at first. And then, you know, I started observing what was going on and how, you know, 
Well, these people over here that have the avocado trees, they're doing a lot better than the people who are just planting the corn over here. The connections were beginning to be made, and I was starting to network with teachers and see their passions and their hobbies and try to connect them to projects that we could do at the school. Mm-hmm. And did that start maybe six months in, a year in? Uh, so tinkering around with it probably started within the first couple months. I started saving seeds of peaches and avocados and started building a greenhouse and doing things around my house so everything i did uh before the projects began i basically did a concept at my house a concept build of some sort at my house so with the avocados i i went to the market and got like a five gallon bucket of avocado pits they were gonna throw away Mm -hmm. (laughs) and started germinating them uh failed a lot and you know, plant a lot of things that died. I had this whole area around my house that I could plant all this stuff. So I started planting stuff and of course, unsuccessfully at first. And then that's really what triggered me to start going out in the community, seeing who was planting these types of things and asking them the questions and uh, learning a lot of different, different things about it. And that was really, really cool. And once that started to happen, things started to move forward with the projects at the school, developing the grants and uh, so forth. I mean, the avocados came before the bees. That was going to happen, and then this whole bee thing happened, and we're like, "Well, avocados need bees to pollinate them." I mean, let's 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 do the apiary as well, and things just started to connect, and, and it was it was really cool. Mm-hmm. So the the first project happened about a year year in. Okay, and the first being the the avocados. Avocados and bees were part of one. Uh, Peace Corps Partnership Grant, and mm-hmm. that was actually funded by my Uncle Scott's memorial fund, which is pretty cool. So his 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 um, memorial fund funded that first project, which wow. is pretty cool. Yeah. And like, were you working with like one-on-one farmers, or cooperative, multiple groups? Like how many? Like what what was the structure and impact? Okay, so um, we had a school population of about seven hundred students. It was a boarding school. So we weren't working with the community too, too much at that point. It was all with uh, students creating uh, this, this uh, environmental and entrepreneurial cr- club. So we, one of the things that's lacking in schools is uh, opportunities for the students who aren't necessarily the great, greatest scholars. Um, they go through school and, you know, it's just kind of um, going here and I'm trudging through. Maybe I'm going to learn a thing or two, but honestly, I'm probably just going to go back to my, my village here and what am I going to do then? Wait for work. Mm-hmm. So we really wanted to give students an opportunity outside of further studies to be successful and self-sufficient within their community and create a self-sufficient uh, working economy for our area. So our main goal was training these students to go go back home and teach their families these activities that they're learning at the school. And then from there, you know, have an income that's not dependent on someone else. So uh, we had a, a large plot of land that the, uh, there's a, 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 a tree, a tree growing company. They make, they make uh, what do they do? They, they extract tannins from the trees. And uh, they have hundreds of thousands of acres there. And they donated like a large plot to the school maybe 15 years ago. And that land's been grown with corn, potatoes, uh, so we had an opportunity to use that land around the school to grow our avocados, our improved species of avocados and apples and other varieties of fruit. And um, I don't know, we just had, we just had a lot of land. Mm-hmm. So um, from there, the community did offer us some more land to use to plant uh, avocados and part of the, the money that was made on those trees would, would go to the community then. Mm-hmm. What? I, lo- I love how you transitioned, or not really transitioned, or assumed another role within your community. You were assigned by Peace Corps to be an education volunteer, to be a chemistry teacher, and you saw this this other need. It, it became apparent because also mm-hmm. you have a lot of downtime. <laughs> no, no, Lots of downtime, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah no, no matter your role as a volunteer, uh, it's not the, the normal fast-paced type A personality of the United States, so you find downtime. Yes. <laughs> and I like how, you know, it gives the volunteer an opportunity to, to assume this other role. Because I've served with so many people that they were an education volunteer. And then, you know, they became an ag volunteer. They became an entrepreneurial yeah. volunteer. They mm-hmm. became a health volunteer. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool that you could pivot into that. 
so easily, really. Yeah. I mean, the opportunity... There's so many opportunities in these... Uh, working at a school, I mean, you've got a built-in audience already. That's mm. that's pretty awesome that... Okay, there's students living, and uh, they're looking for stuff to do, too. So they're excited to have programming to do, learn how to graft avocados, or, you know, what's the proper way to make a compost pit... So we 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 do all these different things, and it was very. Uh, I'd get a I'd get a crew of like. Uh, well, at first the, the the headmaster of the school assigned five students to my to help me after school because you know everyone went and played soccer. I really wasn't into soccer, unfortunately. I I probably played like three times. I was the goalkeeper, but uh, I played once, and I was I don't run at all. I have horrible. Yeah, I work out a lot, but I like to lift heavy things and bike. Yes, man, these kids ran circles around me. And I was like, I'm done. I'm gonna die. Yeah, and the, the teacher team would constantly try to get me to go. But you know, every day after school, I had kind of a routine. Mm-hmm. We would eat lunch at like uh, around three three in the afternoon, right after classes had finished, and uh, after the students ate. I'd have that group of five kids come over, and we'd do these little projects around the house. Uh, we we started we started with the avocados, germinating them, and we built the greenhouses. So I had this group of students that was kind of like, you know, I wasn't having to do everything. They were learning and working with me, and you know, at the end of the day, they get they'd get some special fruit or something, <laughs> and that was cool that we built this this rapport. And those students were the ones that got a lot of the other students excited about doing these projects around the school. So that's mm-hmm. how the genesis of everything really began. Mm-hmm. And I have uh, an off-topic, well, it's on-topic, but obscure question. Mm-hmm. Uh, germinating an avocado, mm-hmm. to- toothpick method, or is there a better way? What's what's the best way? Do you know the toothpick method? Yes, I do to? know the okay. t- toothpick method. I okay. never actually used the toothpick oh. method in Tanzania. Uh, this is one of those things that I had... I tried and, you know, I did this, I did the bottle, you know, actually yeah, I did the bottle and flipped it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I did do toothpicks in it. I don't know if they were toothpicks or something I stuck in them, but nonetheless, I wanted to do hundreds of them. So the toothpick method really wouldn't have worked for that. True. So my headmaster actually showed me this, this method where you use uh, sawdust. There's a lot of uh, milling going on around, you know, wood. Mm-hmm. You just basically make a bed out of sawdust and put all of your, your avocado pits in it and keep it moist and that kind of insulates them and keeps it warm and germinates very nicely and then you pluck it out and it's got its root there yeah nice so that's the method we used you could use sand something like that um but the toothpick method does work small scale see now for the listeners this is you you learned a skill (laughs) you just learned how to sprout an avocado you're very welcome yes uh and you, you grew up doing agriculture, right? Maybe mm-hmm. probably not growing avocados. No, no, no. Uh, but you had experience uh, you know, working yeah, so in fields or around animals. and that was, that was another thing about my service that was really great, reconnecting with my childhood, I guess, and mm-hmm. connecting to uh, how life used to be on the farm, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Getting your milk and, you know, all this stuff was, you know, you're, you're living in a hyper-local economy and everything you eat and, you know, consume is from that area mm-hmm. and uh i used i used i used the the stuff i learned during uh, 4-h we raised chickens one of the things i did at my house too i had a little little uh, shed mm-hmm. started with about four chickens by the end of like eight months i had like 30 chickens so that was a good demonstration to people you know you feed your chickens properly yeah, and they provide the, eight, the, the electrolytes this and that you can have a nice flock of chickens within a certain amount of time with a small investment. So doing stuff like that was um, the main way I taught. I, I showed through demonstration. I a lot of people would ask for money, would ask for mm-hmm. you know a handout. I would you know teach them something to allow them to do that you know or provide them maybe a chicken for for a low cost that they yeah. could you know take take away or do whatever with. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And. Sounds like you had a lot of projects, uh, successful projects. Uh, do you have a, a favorite memory from one of those projects, or maybe it's just your your, your time in Peace Corps? Something that you look back and is just like, oh, man, goodness. like that was an amazing, amazing time. I, I man, there's so many. We could sit here an hour and just hash these out, but you know, I'll I'll jump to. I got it. You, you know, I, <laughs> I love love talking to you, but okay. uh, you know, we can't we can't spend hours. But you can, right, yeah. you can, you can tell you, a few. I'll give you a couple. Yeah. Um, 
So this is kind of outside my community. Mm-hmm. One of the cool things, as Peace Corps volunteers uh, know, within your country, you get to see a lot of cool stuff within that country. And uh, in Tanzania, we have you know Zanzibar and Kilimanjaro, mm-hmm. Serengeti, all the all the all the big parks. But one of my favorite memories on like one of the trips, uh, me and my then girlfriend Haley, she's not my fiance. We didn't train or anything for this, but they have a marathon at Kilimanjaro. So we said, well... One of the seven highest mountains in the world. Actually, it's the highest mountain on the continent. Yes. Uh, it's not one of the seven highest. Sorry. sorry. Okay. But anyway, we, we went up to Moshi, which is the town right outside mm-hmm. of uh, Kilimanjaro. And they have this big running festival weekend there. And so all the volunteers, a lot of volunteers converge on, on that city for that weekend and... We did the half marathon mm-hmm. and with no training, mind you, which was probably pretty stupid, but in retrospect, yes, it was, <sighs> but I've never felt that much endorphin rush, like running. I felt so good after you fin- that. You finished it? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I did it under three, so, you know, that was a big accomplishment. <laughs> I feel tired just thinking about running 13 <laughs> miles, so kudos yeah, to you. Thank you. But that was, that was a, you know, a really cool cool experience you're, you're running around and there's kilimanjaro right there uh i never climbed kilimanjaro but i think the half marathon was a good 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 feat for me to do mm-hmm. yeah, most definitely yeah so that that was cool um another really great memory was thanksgiving at my my house my twin brother he uh came and visited me i had a lot of family come and they came in separate spurts so my oldest brother came like the first year my my other brother came like five months later and then my parents came the next year the next summer so i had kind of people saw me different times during my service which is was was cool (laughs) uh (laughs) they had different experiences as well with my you know as you learn the language and how to maneuver through things uh maybe some of them had smoother trips than others Mm -hmm. sorry rob (laughs) was it the twin brother was the first one no my oldest brother. Uh, oldest brother my oldest brother bless his heart he took two 14-hour trips to the main city and back to my site within i think about it now i'm like man i really put him through some tough stuff there Mm -hmm. but back to the back to the memory (laughs) thanksgiving um a couple volunteers came to my site my brother was there uh we had we had a rabbit we had a chicken, we had pork, we had mashed potatoes. I mean, we, we cooked like from 2 till 10. We were just cooking, then we'd eat, then we'd cook, then we'd <laughs> eat, and then we'd cook. Yeah. And kids were coming to the house, the kids that would, you know, help me around the house with the chores and, and uh, the projects we were doing. They'd come and they got to try, you know, mashed potatoes. I think we had some like cheese powder sauce we were putting on that because, mm-hmm. you know, cheese powder sauce. Hey. So good. That's currency. Yes, currency. But they were they were just having a time of our lives, seeing us cooking all this stuff. And uh, I don't know. I had some teachers over later at night. Had a few beers, hanging out, eating some chicken soup. It was just a great time to share that with uh, my brother. Not only him, but uh, some of the people in the community, the kids, and some of the teachers at my school. So mm-hmm. that was really cool. But those are two that stick out in my head right now. Okay. Those are, I'll, cut, the, I'll cut myself off there. Those, those are two good ones. Uh, and with the Peace Corps service, it seems like you had a, a, a great time. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you've, you've had this experience of connecting uh, to your uncle and having an opportunity to, to serve yeah. and really getting into agriculture. And we were talking before the interview started that sort of led to your, your, your current career and what you're doing. And we learned... Uh, you got a fiance out of out of Peace Corps yeah, service. Yeah, you know, fourth goals. <laughs> yeah, so man, you were like really, really rocking it. Peace but, Corps gave me a lot. Yeah, yeah, it gave you a lot. <laughs> uh, but Peace Corps service is hard. Yes, very much so. In in what ways did you struggle as a volunteer? What what was hard for you? And not necessarily the stuff that we tend to think about. You know. Everybody gets diarrhea. Yeah. Uh, everybody has horrible yeah, t- yeah. Tr- transit experiences. Mm-hmm. What's something that was hard that you didn't expect to be hard? There's a couple things. One of the first things that presented a challenge to me, um, or was hard for me to see on a daily basis, was corporal punishment. Um, was, is that kind of like what the what we're looking for on yeah, this. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that challenged me psychologically a lot. Um, 
that's something I wasn't expecting to. When I saw for the first time, the feeling I got was very guttural and very visceral and very angry. And I don't know, just seeing that as abuse in my head, that Mm -hmm. was, that was challenging. And, you know, for, for me to have to connect with, you know, my best friend, seeing him wail on kids with a, with a, a, a stick was very hard for me to be able to not see him in a different way, but then have to look past that. Um, knowing that that's part of the culture but you know one thing i i don't regret is that i always challenged it it never became something that i became okay with mm-hmm. and uh the discomfort it made me feel was the same three years later that i felt the first time i saw it so i i i always told teachers um i'm not gonna ever say this is okay and i'm never i'm i i I believe that change doesn't curve. Well, change doesn't curve from uh, the silence. So, if you think something's wrong, you need to say something. And I use that as a teaching teaching method too for them. You know, to be, you know, observant of their what they believe in, and you know, to speak up if they see something that they don't think is right. And we had lots of good dialogue about it. And I probably had some inappropriate dialogues and uh, <laughs> things that were not culturally appropriate that I did. You know. Speaking up in front of the headmaster, in front of the whole school, watching someone, I challenged him in front of the whole school, and that mm-hmm. maybe gave me a lot of respect amongst the students, but probably was cringeworthy to watch from the teacher's perspective, knowing that that was culturally inappropriate. But I think they saw that my passion for it and how I believe and stuff, uh, they they had respect for me, so they weren't going to push me aside. But, you know, that was very challenging for me. Mm-hmm. Well, well, thank you for sharing that. You know, that's probably something, you know, as an education volunteer going in, you think, okay, the environment's going to be hard. But, you know, the experience of with people, you know, it's a culture. I'm going to experience a different culture, and that'll be great, and it'll be enriching. And then you start uncovering cultural aspects, as you said. You know, this was part of their sort of their mentality or what they thought was right, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay. How can can I show a different way, you know? Yeah. And that's... That uh, that was that was a big big part, you know. I said demonstration with agriculture, demonstration with teaching too. How methodologies can prevent you from thinking that you have to, you know, that's not going to fix someone's uh, abilities to improve on a test, <laughs> instilling fear in them. You know, that's not a good way to to get good results. And um, I was very happy that student, my students had great results on their national exams, and I was able to show that to the teachers and be like, you know, the way you structure your class is the way it's going gonna, it's gonna to go, not by how hard you can hit them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I don't know. There's some good that came out of it, too. Yeah. And do you have anything overarching that you feel you really learned from your Peace Corps experience? A key takeaway? I don't know. When I look at my Peace Corps service, I grew a lot as a I grew a lot as a person. Um, in, in what in what way? You know, I was I was always someone who would want to put my opinion first or think I was you know usually right or you know well my way of thinking is going to be the way it should go. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I actually had I had a chance to uh, I had to step back and listen and observe. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had no place to tell anyone what what was or why you should do this. My 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 that was that was that was a really cool thing to just take a step back, observe and absorb what was going on. And then once you're able to do that, you have an understanding that's different than putting your step, you know, putting your your opinion first and that that's the way you can craft it in a way that's going to work for that situation that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um and that's something I haven't done, hadn't really done or had a chance to do in the environment I was working in here in America or, you know, during college. Um, that was that was pretty, pretty cool to do. And do you think that was that caused by maybe a, a lack of language ability oh, initially? For sure. So it's like you, 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 so you like, can't speak up. So you're just like, well, I guess I'm just going to sit like, here. You're like a child. Like when, when you go to homestay. A really dumb child. You feel like you're... <laughs> They have to do everything for you, pretty much. You just feel very uh, disconnected from who you were in America, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> it puts, puts things in perspective for you a little bit and makes you, makes you have to uh, think in different ways. The language thing, though, yeah, at the beginning, that was very challenging. Like, 
I, I had the biggest fear for the longest time. I was never going to be able to like express myself truly in, uh, in Swahili or, you know, in the local language. And that was something that when I joined Peace Corps, you know, there's all these other things, but I wanted to learn the language and this and that. And, uh, not being able to speak it at first really was very challenging to get things done and understand what was going on. But as that came, things got easier for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, another thing about service, uh, it was the first time I got to focus solely on, uh, it's something, sometimes I think of it's kind of selfish, our service, you know, we get to go away and not have to worry about whatever else. And we can focus on that. But that's kind of a cool thing that not many people get to experience these days is uh, focus on one thing and less distraction and being being connected to do something so much different than you have ever had before. And uh, I like not having that distraction for a little bit. And it really allowed me to grow as a person and uh, grow these projects and these people in my community to, to, to continue on with what we started there. And, you know, they're, they're chugging along, man. I got pictures the other day and I'm, I was in awe at how big it has expanded. Like they have tens of thousands of avocado trees going right now and they are doing big things. <laughs> they won mm-hmm. a, um, national parks award for conservation. They won 1.5 million shillings to continue the project. It's about $750, but that's more investment they can put into these projects mm-hmm. and continue building it. And, you know, the real end goal of that project was that they'd have income generating activities at the school for them to improve things like nutrition and uh, medical, medical care. You know, 10% of the school population has HIV where I'm at. The whole region as a whole is at about 15% with HIV. So getting these students nutritious meals every day and not having to segregate them off you know we have to give the kids with hiv greens every day why don't we give everyone at the school greens you know create an atmosphere that uh is nurturing these students so that they can learn well and that they can do well in their tests and you know if we change if we change that mindset and really create create an environment that uh is inclusive of everyone and creates a healthy healthy living for everyone everything gets better and um, they're doing it, which is great. Mm-hmm. And you, you touched on something that I, I find so interesting, how amazing it is during your service that you have this opportunity to, to focus on one thing or focus on a few things without the mm-hmm. distraction. You know, for me, every morning was a blank slate. There wasn't a big giant list of all oh, things to do and I got to get done. And this, yeah. it was you, you wake up and you're like, okay. What a, I've got 16 hours to 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 make the best of it. Like, yeah. like there's endless opportunity, which at times can be amazing, but mm-hmm. also at times can be very scary. It's like, what, what? It's what, overwhelming the amount of time you have. Yeah. <laughs> so what what am I going to? How did you did you have to overcome that? Of just this, you kind of have. I don't want to say endless potential. You have a lot of opportunities. You have mm-hmm. a lot of opportunities with your service. And I think sometimes it can be a little scary for volunteers. It's like, what if I don't do anything? Yeah. And, you know, I. Maybe you didn't experience that. Um, you know, I, I'm a musician. So I, I thought, oh, going to Peace Corps, I'm going to be the next Bob Dylan, come out with a couple albums, you know. I barely played my guitar in service, you know. I was distracted by some, you know, other things. I don't know. It's uh, at first maybe, but then you know as it became more comfortable and made some more friends. I at first you know the first person I met that I really connected with was uh, a teacher who was a musician as well. And my first three months we when we were now shot a music video. <laughs> that was that was my entertainment pretty much. Mm-hmm. I would go out with him after school for three or four hours. And we shoot this music video, and I learned the song. Like, oh my lord, I listened to that thing so many times, and it was it was really interesting to me because that's something that's very cultural. There, every every time you get on a bus, you're watching, you know, uh, Christian music videos, or you know, depending what part of the country you're in. So, <laughs> I'm sitting here making this video based on my like one one time on the bus watching these things, and. It was it was so cool for me because he took me around the community and 
that was kind of like my introduction to everything. And he, I don't know. I guess the advice I can give, though, if you if you if find that person that's some interest that you're interested in, and I tell you what, things things can uh, can happen quickly if you make a friend really quick that you can connect with. Um, I did I did have nights and days where you know I'd sit in my bed all day and watch Netflix, not Netflix, but. Bootleg movies that you bought. <laughs> the bootleg movies you, that passed around Peace Corps, yes. Yeah, on a, on a hard drive that yeah. you, you know, collected. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'd be overwhelmed with anxiety of not being connected to people at home or being so far away. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't have a smartphone before Peace Corps. Didn't have a smartphone the first year of Peace Corps. Second year, I got a smartphone. Things completely changed. That connection went away. Mm-hmm. That Or that, that fear of not being able to get in contact with people. Um that, I don't know. I don't know if I answered your question there. I just went on a rambling tangent, but you know. That's all this. That's all this podcast is. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I ask a question. You take. You do it with what you will. Just uh, ramble. Yeah, you don't even have to listen to me. You can just tell Peace Corps stories. <laughs> and what do you feel that you you miss the most from from your service? I miss the sense of community for sure. Um, the connection to everyone that I had, mm-hmm. you know, I'm trying to build that in DC. You know, I, I told this struggle to my mom, like I was saying, like, I mean, I had, I had a friend for everything. You know, my friend who did this, my friend who, you know, mama Chicha, the lady with the spinach, you know, mama Perichichi, the lady with the avocado, you know, all these different people in my life that I had a connection to or, mm-hmm. um, and that was a really beautiful thing to have those friendships built and, uh, rapport built. And just, I love that going into town and and, and just doing my loop, mm-hmm. greeting everyone because greeting's yeah. a big thing. And um, that's that's kind of harder here in in like DC. Everyone's you know straightforward. I want to go do my stuff, and you know I, that's on that's on me too. I mean, to make those connections, people talk mm-hmm. to people more, and not be you know they don't want to hear it. Um, but I'm I'm I miss I miss I miss going over to my neighbor's house for dinner. Just I could go into any house on my teacher lot, you know, and they would greet me and say, "You want food? You know, can we feed you? Whatever." Everyone would take care of you. That that hospitality culture is so great in Tanzania, and I really miss that. And mm-hmm. uh, it's something I love to share when we have guests. Is that sort of uh, welcoming vibes to your house? Mm-hmm. And I feel the vast, vast majority. Maybe I should go back and listen when I when I ask this question. It's over and over again. Community, community, community. I miss the community. I miss the community. And I, I we're sitting in my my living room right now. So I, I also live in D.C. and mm-hmm. I've I've struggled so much with trying to feel that I have a a sense of community. Yeah, you know, it's challenging. I miss my tomato lady, my spinach lady, <laughs> you know, the guy, my, my, my butcher. Yeah. I miss having the guy call me and say, yeah, I just hung up, a, you know, I just hung up a pig here. You want some, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that I was really annoyed at at first in Tanzania was like, why are all these people I gave my number to calling me all the time? Mm-hmm. Like, then I realized, oh. You know, they just want to say hi and bye, and that's it. That's like, it. That's it. You miss a call, and you're like, "Oh crap!" And like, okay, you, you call them back, like, "Hey, what's going on? <laughs> Nothing. Just want to do. Just want to say hi. Haven't haven't seen you today." <laughs> and then that's it. Okay. I was like, oh, that was that was an interesting thing for me to understand. You know, the importance of greeting, the importance of feeling that mm-hmm. connection to people, and you know, just taking that little bit of time to say hi is uh, is powerful. It's really powerful, and. Mm-hmm. It's glazed over pretty quickly here, you know. People, people don't seem to see the power in that, and you know, that's that's up to us to spread that. <laughs> yeah. Have you? Do you feel you've been successful, or you've had some minor victories as you've been trying to cultivate this community? Because I would say I'm a massive failure. Um, uh, you it, know where I work. Uh, so I work at a an indoor farm in Arlington mm-hmm. in a commercial space. So there's lots of, uh, there's lots of, you know, halal stores and, you know, uh, there's a Cuban chicken place down there. I have made an effort to 
to be friends with all of these people around us, all these businesses around us, and cultivate that uh, that's those same feelings. Like if we have extra greens or something, I'll take a sack up to the the grocery store and talk to the guys for a second, and that gives me that feeling mm-hmm. that I had in Peace Corps a little bit there in DC. Not so much so far. <laughs> if you're out there, people, let's hang out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel it's like, you know, am I just going to hang out with Peace Corps volunteers? It yeah. seems to be the case, but then, you know, you go to these Peace Corps events and then everyone's sitting at their table with their... their with click. the people they served with or they're yeah. in their same countries. I'm just like, um, man. Yeah. I've gone, to, I've gone to several of them and like, well, I'm the only person from Burkina Faso, so I guess I'm talking to myself in the corner. Me and Haley have done the same and, you know, we're like, yeah, we're going to meet some new friends tonight and... But we're still very clicky here, you know? We, yeah. we have our groups, and DC is very fortunate that we have a large Peace Corps population. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, in Tanzania alone, we have, like, a group of 10 that we served with, which is pretty awesome. And we hang out a lot, for sure. But, mm-hmm. like, it'd be cool to expand out a little bit. And yeah. and I think something that, why that happens is because we all have that shared experience together. And uh, the thing I've noticed in D.C., Peace Corps volunteers tend to shy away from talking about their Peace Corps service. They don't want to be that person that's from Peace Corps, and because it's, it's like, oh, another oh, Peace Corps yeah. volunteer. It's like there's a, you're a dime a dozen. It's yeah, like I can exactly. throw a, I can throw a rock and hit a Peace Corps volunteer. <laughs> exactly, especially in Columbia Heights where you live, oh, now, where I just exactly. moved from. Yeah, it's it's there's a lot, and you know, people are like, oh, that's not the first thing I want people to know. It's like, oh, come on, that's mm-hmm. like the most impactful experience of our lives. We should be screaming about it to everyone, but. That's uh, just me. <laughs> I know. I, I feel you. That's why I do this podcast. Yeah, it's great. And, you know, thank you so much for, like, providing this opportunity for volunteers to have that space to talk, to, to share these things that they might not talk to their colleagues about because, you know, they don't want to be that Peace Corps person. But, I mean, I think it's important that we share this. At this time in, you know, our country, we need to be promoting these types of activities for our young people to be doing. Um if more people were were exposed to something outside of the United States, some different ideas or different ways of doing things, I think things would be so much better here. And, you know, the things we talk about, community, that sort of thing, there'd be be those understandings and, you know, maybe maybe more people need to get out there and do Peace Corps, but we need more funding to do that, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna butcher the poster, but I'll get the, the sentiment correct. It's saying like, you know, like help your country and then on the bottom it says leave and it's the statue of liberty just like pointing her finger <laughs> and that's, that's the thing it's like you if you come back having had that experience yeah you will help your country you oh. will enrich it for sure and you know i think that's something that's overlooked people are always like oh you did peace corps what about helping america i think volunteers are some of the most active in those communities when they come back and are the mm-hmm. change makers here once they return because they have that instilled in them that that's important and you know Sure, sure, you do two years of service abroad, but the, the vast majority of your life is going to be spent here creating change and doing good things for communities here at home. Mm-hmm. But Most definitely. Yeah, that's, yeah it's, 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 a, it's a tough one coming back, but, you know, we're, we're, me and Haley are grooving into American lifestyle and, you know, trying to, trying to take it one step at a time. Uh, I need to, we need to do a whole podcast where we get her on here. We talk about, you know, being in a relationship in Peace Corps. Have you done one of those? I've done a married couple uh, serving in, in the Peace Corps. They were, they were like an older married couple. That was a cool episode. They were, they were really two really cool people. And then have I, yes, I just did one, Madagascar. They oh, you, ma- did, you, did, you did Ven and Kelly from... Yeah, Ven and Kelly. Tanzania. Yeah, we know them. Yeah, there you go. Cool. So, so I've done, done the married couple... A group that they met in Peace Corps, and then I've done a few where, like, they they referred to their significant other that they met in the Peace Corps, but it wasn't like a prominent yeah. thing. Okay. Uh, We've got a fun love story, though. Well, we can we can definitely make that another episode <laughs> since you live in DC, and now yeah, you know, and now cool. you, now you know where I live. Yeah, come hang out, and we Sounds can great. we can record. Well, I've I've enjoyed talking with you. I love hearing about Peace Corps stories, talking about Peace Corps and the experience. So. Uh, I, this could go on for a while, and, yes, and, yes, and I would I would actually be okay with it, uh, but I don't know. The listeners might tune out at at some point. Understandable. I, yes, I find the hour point is a little bit of a, a you know sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we close it out, do you have anything else you want to share? Any any thoughts? Something that like a story or a sentiment or anything, or you can just say no. No is a perfectly suitable response to that question. Um. 
Well, I guess the one thing I can say is like I'm so thankful for the opportunity that Peace Corps gave me and the person that it made me. And I think I think if if for anyone out there who's thinking about doing Peace Corps, the only thing stopping you from doing it is yourself. So take the step, apply, do it. It's going to change your life. And go into your service with uh, an open mind. Don't have a plan. That's the, that's you're going to be let down if you have a plan. And having an open mind allows allows your service to take its own own route. And it's more fun that way, I think. But mm-hmm. just do it. <laughs> just apply. And just go do the Peace Corps. It'll be a, it'll be an amazing thing. I couldn't agree more. Thank you very much for taking some time, uh, coming down, mm-hmm. hanging out with me no in, my, in my living room. And I, I like to close out the shows with a local saying or phrase, because as we talked about a little bit, language is so important. It's your gateway to understanding your community, connecting with them. Do you have something that sort of that you heard day after day or that you just found so mm-hmm. uh, so that uh, encapsulated your community and your Peace Corps experience? So it, this, this thing, actually, I learned very early on. I was walking with my, my baba, my, my house father, my, my father from my homestay family, mm-hmm. and I was, I was, I was, he could speak English, so we were talking. I was telling him the challenge I was having with, with the language, actually. And he told me, pole pole and diamwendo which basically uh, I understood at the time translated into, you know, slowly but surely things will happen. And I took that with me through my service, you know, always, always <laughs> taking it one step at a time and things, things will eventually matriculate into something positive. So that's what I got. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Yeah. Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate it. And there you have it. Another episode of the My Peace Core Story podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you get a new episode directly sent to you every single Tuesday when I release them. Also, I have something to ask of you all. If you have enjoyed this episode or any episode, if I have provided value to you in any way as a perspective, uh, an incoming, current, return, or just general supporter of the Peace Corps, can you please share this podcast with your friends and family? It doesn't even have to be everybody you know. Share this podcast with one other person. Maybe the podcast as a whole. Maybe one episode that you particularly enjoyed that you think someone else will find value in. With your help, this podcast will continue to grow. I'll be able to tell more stories and and help other people get their experience out there into the world. So if you have found value in what I have been doing for over a year, please take a moment and share the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I've enjoyed this episode. I hope you have too. And remember, until next time, every volunteer has a story. What's yours?